Please be advised that the content in the Grave Tales podcast series is suitable for adults only. You're with Chris Adams and Helen Goltz for the Grave Tales the series podcast. Today from the Grave Tales Bruce Highway book. Nothing strikes fear into the heart of people more than the two words, Black Death. It wasn't the Dark Ages, nor was it a time before adequate sewerage. It was 1905 and Maryborough, a modern city with impressive architecture and a major port of entry thanks to the Mary River. But regardless, the Black Death paid a visit. The Black Death, Helen, are we talking that disease that killed nearly a quarter of Europe's population in the 1400s? Well, there's several Black Deaths. <laughs> there's the bubonic plague and there's the pneumonic plague. Right. And we're talking the pneumonic, although they were prepared for the bubonic. It's a bit confusing because in 1900, the bubonic came to Australia. And you know about that because you wrote a story about the rat catchers in Sydney yeah. getting rid of... The, the rats and, and many houses as a result. And the very first victim in Sydney had the most horrific burial. Yes, he lived by the water and they were taking him to Northhead to Quarantine Station Cemetery there. And they were so afraid of this disease that they wrapped him up uh, in sailcloth several layers of it, Ooh. filled the gaps in between with disinfectant, put him in a little lighter, a little boat, and towed him behind a bigger boat mm. from where he lived in Dremoyne round to uh, the cemetery uh, and buried him so deep that he's never been found again. Yeah. Well, and that's not the bubonic plague for Well, you. it was a, a frightening, frightening disease. Mm. I mean, it wasn't called the Black Death for nothing. Mm. So that was the first case that came to Australia. Now, at that point in time in Maribara, it's on the water, there's a... Big port. Lots of ships coming in, lots of people, lots of disease, lots of animals, lots of, you know, you name it. So at that point in time, they jumped on the front foot and got prepared. They bought a local sawmill and converted to a dedicated plague hospital okay. and quarantine station. That it was a big white elephant and never got used, which is a good thing. So they weren't affected with any bubonic plague in Maribor. However, five years after that, the pneumonic plague came to Maribor. It's a bit of a sad story because it hit the O'Connell family. Now, the mother of the O'Connell family had already passed away, Ellen, aged 39. 18 months before it hit her family. So the father was Richard, the head of the family, and I don't know whether as a result of being left with a number of children or whether he was always on, on the bottle, but you know he was known to drink a bit. They were a poor family. They were always scavenging. The children were John, Kate, James, Richie, May, Ellen and Mary, and they lived in abject poverty. So Richard bought home some sacking from the wharf for them to sleep on mm -hmm. and there's speculation that that was infected and that's how the family first got it. But of course the pneumonic plague can be spread as simply as sneezing. Yeah, it's spread by expectorant, isn't it? Exactly. By, what, spit, yeah, if you like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it may well have you know, been as simple as the fact that they were malnourished children. They were vulnerable to it anyway. I read somewhere, I heard somewhere, that uh, they had been eating some spotted fruit yeah. that had been lying around the area yeah. uh, where the infection may have been as well. At the time, a lot of that fruit was used to trap rats, you know, to clean up the streets, and the kids are eating that as well. So you can get an idea of the, their standard of living, the poor kids. So basically the eldest lad, John, was the first to come down with it, and they couldn't afford a doctor, so he lay for several days not treated. Mrs Letitia Edward, who was a neighbour, 49, she nursed him, but on Friday 26th of May he passed away. His death was certified then as pneumonia, and then it passed through all the children. The poor old Mrs Edwards, who kindly looked after John, also fell ill and she died as well. Yeah, well, the doctor noted that, that she uh, contracted the plague probably by drop infection. That's what we were talking yeah, about before, exactly. just by picking up what's in the air. Kate was now the eldest daughter alive, 18, and her and one of the youngest, May, weren't ill, but the other children all fell 
victims to it. And naturally, just to be safe, the authorities headed to the where poor Mrs. Edward had just died, fumigated the whole building, burnt clothes and bedding, burnt down the uh, Connell house. Yes, uh, yeah. So there was no hiding it from the people that this may not be pneumonia. And I think it's interesting too that, you know, in those days, of course, they had telegrams. A couple of telegrams from the doctors are really quite interesting. The one from Dr Penny, who was a government medical officer at Maryborough, the one he sent to Dr Ham down in Brisbane, said, Boy and girl died at hospital. Woman who attended also died, all of bronchopneumonia, after three days' illness. Two sisters and one boy still ill in hospital. Suspicious. Want post-mortem examination on woman. Dr. Ham telegraphed back. Take all precautions. Isolate cases and contacts as far as possible. Send specimens of organs from post-mortem case here for examination. Wire me progress today. Take all precautions. The reply came back by telegram. Precautions taken. Think plague. It's scary stuff. Should we have expected at that point in time a widespread infestation in Maryborough? What was it that kept it to just this number of people? Well, you'd be a little panicked, wouldn't you? But fortunately, hospital staff were savvy. And even though it hadn't been diagnosed yet as a pneumonic plague, yeah. they were clever enough to isolate it. Mind you, that hospital still wasn't being used. The one, the big white elephant I mentioned earlier. <laughs> These young kids were taken to the Maryborough General Hospital. And two young nurses stepped up. These women are amazing. They risked their lives. There was 22-year-old Cecilia Bauer. And Cecilia was engaged to be married in five weeks' time from when she first started nursing these young children. And she was one of ten children herself, so she was no stranger to kids. And Nurse Rose Wiles, she was 28, and her father was Reverend Charles Wiles, who was quite known around town. Okay. So the two of them stepped up to uh, care for these young O'Connell family members. But unfortunately, the young children in hospital died, and Rose and Cecilia were close behind them. Of the O'Connell family, we've got John, 17, who's now passed away from the pneumonic plague. James was next. He was 15. He was admitted not long after and died as well. Ellen was 7. She came down with it and died. Richard, 12, died as well. And Johanna Mary was 3 and she died as well. So five of the O'Connell children f were filled with this and they all died within weeks of each other. The 25th of May to the 3rd of June. Now, three days after that Johanna died, the little three-year-old, Cecilia, the nurse, lost her life. Six days later, Nurse Wiles, Nurse Rose Wiles, lost her life. So in that short period of time, seven people have died from this disease. And you were talking before about how hard it was to identify and the delays in that. The same day that uh, Cecilia died, confirmation arrived from Brisbane from the pathology people saying that the sickness was, in fact, the pneumonic plague yeah. two weeks after the first victim died. But fortunately, as I mentioned earlier, the nurses and the doctor had been isolating the victims, which saved the city. If they hadn't done that, can you imagine, especially if it spread as simply as... Run rampant. Oh, would have, the whole city could have been wiped out. If I was doing this and burning down buildings and clothes and fireys and councils stepping up, those simple actions, and perhaps it's because of the 1900 outbreak down south that they were all alerted to it, They've saved the city. But I felt very sad for these young nurses. And a, and a third young nurse, Nurse Elizabeth Sprague, also stepped up. Rose and Cecilia wouldn't hear of her helping. They just wouldn't allow it. But she insisted on nursing them even though they were sick. She did have one inoculation, which may have helped, but refused any others, and she survived. There are people, of course, who work in the medical profession who would say they were, they were doing their jobs. And yeah. that's part of the risk. 
You know, it's interesting you should say that. When we were in Maribyrnong recently, I met the president of the Wide Bay Hospitals Museum Society, which is a terrific little museum just near the hospital, mm. near the Maribyrnong General Worth Hospital. Fantastic, yeah. And they've got so much historic stuff in there. The old beds, the old instruments, the whole bit, the graduating classes of nurses' photos. But we met Marilyn Jensen, and Marilyn's a career nurse, retired now, but she was a nurse for 40 years, and she said that very thing to me, but they were doing their duty. And I find that incredible because their duty is to care for patients, not to give their life. And, you know, I just think it's an amazing attitude, and I guess that's why they go into that occupation in the first place, because they have that caring attitude. Mm. And what I thought was very sad was... Rose's father made a little donation in her name, the Reverend, and said, In memory of my dearly beloved daughter, Rose Adelaide, Nurse Wiles, who fell at her post of duty on June 12th of pneumonic plague, contracted while ministering to pneumonic plague patients in the hospital, she gave herself. She gave herself. I thought that was such a beautiful thing. So now once it was clearly identified as pneumonic plague... Mm. There was, was there not, an antidote? Yeah, there or, was. Or something that will, an inoculation yeah. to ward it off. But yes, there was a serum developed by a Swiss-born French bacteriologist for plague in humans and cattle. Any nurses and relevant staff showing symptoms were removed from the environs. They made a full recovery and they had the serum. So basically they contained it and the uh, city was safe. Uh, were there any of the O'Connell kids who survived? There were a couple of the O'Connell children that survived, only two out of the entire family. 20-year-old Kate survived and 9-year-old May. I tried to find Kate. It was a bit challenging, but it appears she did live on and married Frances McIver in 1910 when she was 25 years old. And I don't know how old she was when she died. May, the younger one, married a Martin Woods in 1918 when she was 22. She died in 1963, age 67. So they were the only sibling survivors of that family. Yeah. And uh, I understand that uh, Cecilia Bauer, one of the nurses who dies, was about to be married and her fiancé went overseas after her death and yeah. uh, had an untimely end as well. It's a really sad twist. This Her fiancé, William, went to America after her death and he found work on the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> he accidentally fell from the bridge to his death. Somebody in Maribyrnong said to me they weren't sure it was an accident, which I thought was interesting because yeah. he would have been quite grief-stricken, but he was one of 11 workers who did die during construction. Nurse Sprague, she continued to nurse. This is a nurse who yes, looked after our sick nurses. She stayed for almost a decade at St Mary's Hospital, which was a forerunner to St Stephen's in the area, and worked at a military hospital in Brisbane's Kangaroo Point during the war as well. You'll find the O'Connell family graves in Maribyrnong Cemetery. Interesting little grave too, it's literally just a uh, timber cross, all the names of the children on it. The graves for Nurse Cecilia and Nurse Rose are beautiful graves, they're family graves, lovely headstones. Thanks to two nurses who gave their lives, the city of Maryborough continued to thrive. You've been listening to a story from Grave Tales, the series available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook, music by Kai Engels. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram or on our website together your own group and come along on our Great Ocean Road Tour.